welcome to the BSA Capital um, uh, Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on uh, October the 5th, Thursday. It's Thursday. It is Thursday, Phil, today. Don't, I know with all the train strikes and the non-tube strikes, etc., some people have got the days, but it is Thursday today, Phil. How are you? Yes, I'm, I'm pleased it is Thursday, Andrew, because as you know, I was rather confused before this podcast, but uh, no, I'm delighted to join you. Right. So let's start off. Um, we always end these podcasts saying that we're always delighted to get feedback, message, etc. And actually, I had a very long email from someone who um, emailed me this week. Uh, actually, interesting enough, what really caught his attention and got him to write the email was not to do with tech or transitional energy. It was biotech, because a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I'd decided to buy some stock in a company called Oxford Biodynamics, uh, which I bought at 11p. And he came on to say, oh, you, you've joined the club. Uh, I also have stock at 11p. This week, it went absolutely bananas, um, went to just over 50p, which for a couple of weeks holding is is pretty good going, really. Uh, I was sitting there thinking, no, I'm a long-term holder. Then I thought, no, no, nothing goes up in a straight line. I did sell a load of stock, actually over 50p. Uh, well, I took out my original profits plus a bit more, uh, which again, turns out to have been really rather smart because the stock today in these very horrible, difficult markets has fallen back down to, let me have a look, 37.5p. So, God, I should give up this job, Phil, and just be a trader. Um, look, let's. the first thing I would say to everyone is I actually know very little about biotech. Therefore, this was not actually a particularly clever move by me. It was a very lucky move by me. Uh, and the chances of me being lucky twice are pretty slim so I'm, I'm going to be very careful about suggesting that I should buy another biotech stock. Uh, this particular person did say I should have a look at Gene Drive. So I'll give Gene Drive a bit of a mention. I have had a quick look at it. The difference between, big difference, I think, between Gene Drive and uh, Oxford Biodynamics is the shareholders. Gene Drive is a very sort of retail shareholder base, whereas Oxford Biodynamics has some very good institutions in it who do know what they're talking about. And that makes a big difference to me. So... I'll be absolutely honest, I'm not about to, to, to jump into Gene Drive. I could be completely wrong. I know nothing about bio, uh, biotech. I was just very lucky. Um, so that's that. Now, also in his email, though, it was a very long email. It was asking a lot of questions about actually um, some of the comments I've been making about the Aquis market. Um, look, let's first of all be absolutely clear. At the moment, these markets are like treacle. The thickest treacle you've ever walked in, i.e. you can go nowhere. There is no liquidity, full stop, anywhere. Um, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of people have got very impatient with Aquis. It is taking far, far longer than it should be. I'm not going to deny it. You know, I think actually, sadly, because of the state of the markets, the Aquis Stock Exchange has probably gone backwards a bit. Um, that doesn't mean to say Aquis PLC has, because Aquis PLC, of course, the Aquis Stock Exchange is only part of it. Their trading platform is going really well. So as a stock, Aquis still, I'm a huge pull off and I do own them PA and my pension. Um, he was also just talking about some of the differences between Aquis and AIM and the main London Stock Exchange. The real key is Aquis has a very much more streamlined process and doesn't have a nomad, et cetera, et cetera. So it's easy to get things done. It's just as regulated. The regulation is just as, as tight. Um, but because it's easy to get things done, it becomes cheaper. It also has some very interesting rules about listing warrants or convertibles, which you just can't do on AIM or the or main London Stock Exchange. Also, the RTO rules are different. So you can get you can get RTOs done, which would be an RTO on the London Stock Exchange, and an RTO on, on Aquis. And for smaller companies, that's really important. The biggest thing that kills small companies is that they can't do a deal without it being an RTO. And an RTO costs so much money and takes so long that it stops companies from doing deals, even though the shareholders would like them to. 
Uh, and that's one of the biggest things. Uh, and then the other thing you just, you know, everyone complains about the market makers and small caps. Uh, this is not me having a go at the market makers, but I have talked about, you know, maybe you need to be more of a quote driven system, simply matching buyers and sellers. Yes, it will leave big spreads, um, but at least it will give you a, a true price. I, I don't really know the answers. The market makers do a good job, but sometimes you need a sort of a hybrid, I think is the answer. But, you know, some really interesting questions. I hope that's sort of given you a flavor of, of um, some of the answers that I'd give. Uh, if you want more, I won't say who it is. Um, I'll just say Michael. Michael, if you want more, uh, email me again and I'll try and write you. I'll give you a call. Um, actually, it's interesting. Whilst just talking about how small caps get stuck, I, I have been looking recently at some of these US SPACs, Phil, that you know did these deals. I think we all remember a couple of years ago, the, the big one was Kazoo. Do you remember Kazoo did a US SPAC? I think it was worth like $5 billion or something absurd. Oh, how we laughed. And I think even on this podcast, we said it was absolutely rubbish and worth nothing. Here you go, Phil. Here's a quiz question. How much do you think Kazoo is worth today? Haven't been worth about $5 billion. Oh, my gosh. Because I was looking at Babylon this week, the medical app listed on the spike. Uh, how much is Kazoo worth today? Uh, so I would say £20 million. Pounds. Very close. About £15 million. Pounds, correct. Oh, wow. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> It's absolutely fallen off a cliff. It's gone from, I think, $200 or something to a few cents. Uh, another one that we know, uh, and actually has quite a lot of UK shareholders, and we did a bit of work with them as well, uh, Zap Scooters. Uh, I mean, they went into a SPAC at $10. Today it's down at $0.50. Cents. Um, the SPAC market was a bubble that sadly has burst. Uh, and if you didn't get out, it's a bit annoying. Um, so that's another thing that's caught my eye. A um, couple of other little housekeeping points before we get on to results as well. There'll be a few other things I want to talk about, actually. But um, we're, I know we're always talking about Infinity Energy Systems. I just get so excited about it. But we've been doing a roadshow them with this week. Phil, you've seen them on a, a, a few things. I mean, I think the team have been presenting really, really well. Um, I don't think there's any question doubt. Everyone walks away with the impression that, you know, demand is going to be almost unlimited. It's just a case of how they finance that demand. And they've been quite open about it. You know, it's going to be a big strategics of some nature. Uh, they're going to come in and actually fund it. It's not going to be the, the existing shareholders. Um, but anyway, that roadshow is going really well. Quite a lot of people on our webinar and at our lunch the other day. Uh, just uh, Equipmate, which is another client of ours, about 100 million market cap, does EVs and inverters, which is, is such a hot space. I mean, you may want to make a comment about that, Phil. But uh, we're doing a non-deal roadshow with them on the 16th of um, October and a webinar on the 17th of October. Uh, if you haven't had your invite from us, then do feel free to get in touch and say, yes, I want to listen, because it's a hot space, isn't it, Phil? Uh, yeah, it is not equipped, mate. Um, we published uh, research uh, last week, post post their results. So I think that's been made available on Equipmate's um, website. Uh, and they have, their, yeah, they've developed uh, very advanced electric motor technologies, inverters, they do battery packs. Um, and these are used in what, what, hypercars, uh, bus heavy transport markets um they've been used in a in a in a rocket so the license out of texas yeah it's a super uh super little uh, uk um tech company in the ev space so if you want to get exposure to that then uh, have, do have a look at it quickly you can have a blue peter badge for getting that piece of research out there you go there's a reward Thank for you, you. Uh, and actually talking of evs again something else that we've talked about quite a lot on this podcast is my rather strong view that the Chinese are going to dominate EVs in the future. My view is that um, probably 95% of the, the uh, 
cars, whatever you want to call them in China, will be Chinese EVs, 50% in Europe, 25% in North America. People will say, I must be off my rocker. But, you know, suddenly the, the protectionist barriers, are they protectionist barriers? I don't know. That's what I think they are, actually. In Europe are coming up. Because the point is, you know, the Chinese can actually now build a totally decent EV for $5,000. I mean, who isn't going to buy it? To be honest with you, you know, an EV isn't really like a an ICE is their known internal combustion engine car. It's, it's much simpler. It's basically just a, a, a laptop with some wheels and a battery and an electric motor. So, you know, uh, the Chinese are going to dominate it. We have to accept that. Um, yes, they're going to, uh, the EU is almost certainly going to put up, put tariffs and protectionism in to try and stop the Chinese from coming. But at the end of the day, the consumer uh, is going to say, no, I want something that's good and cheap, I think. And they will be good quality. China has, China's quality has improved dramatically. Uh, and in the EV world, it will be new brands, completely new brands we've never heard of probably coming along. And don't forget the Chinese own things like Volvo. Uh, and so even if you're buying a Volvo, you're buying Chinese. Um, so there we have that little bit of a rant and rave, so to speak. Now, as I said, these are, are horrible markets. Um, very difficult to get anything done. But uh, there have been a few figures. Actually, it's been quite a quiet week, partially because, of course, a lot of people rushed to get the numbers out by the end of September. Uh, the first week of October is not a busy month for numbers, but there's a few um, we probably need to go through. Um, and actually, I, I might just kick off on one, Phil, and then I'll, I'll hand over to you. Well, I'll let you talk about it. But we had a, a training update from a corporate client of ours, Pressure Technologies, which, you know, we really like. I'll be honest with you, it's not performing very well in the market. I actually think for all the wrong reasons. Um, we have had to just go a bit more cautious on 2024 numbers. But again, I really don't worry about that because they have very long-term order books and it's just where an order happens to to fall in which year you want to look at it much more long term what they really i mean i tell you what you've got a really good management team here the ceo chris walters in my view is, is superb and um you know one of their biggest issues last year was the lloyd's debt you know what he's, he's cleared it all out i mean this is the best way of replacing debt is to simply generate cash so you pay it off and yet he's getting no reward in the market for that whatsoever. I think it's brilliant. But Phil, what's your take? You're the analyst. Uh, yeah, it's no, no pressure technologies, ticker is P-R-E-S. Um, it's a UK Sheffield-based engineering company, and it's been around for over 100 years or something. It's Chesterfield Special Cylinders part of the business has. Um, and it produces uh, very high-pressure cylinders, excuse me, that are used in, are used in submarines. So obviously these are safety-critical uh, military-approved uh, pieces of equipment, so it's specialised engineering, and the submarine bill contracts, particularly the dreadnought submarines in the UK, by their very nature, are going to be be lumpy because it's a big build and it take takes time. So it's that area of the business that's been um, sort of moving around financially, but also they're still used for storage for hydrogen uh, in refueling stations, and they have another part of their engineering business, which is producing specialist valve components for the oil and gas industry, which actually that is doing very well at the moment. So the company has, um, you know, it's suffered with an oil and gas industry downturn. It's recovered from that. Uh, it's recovered profitability. Uh, it's generating cash and it's paying down its debt. So, you know, and the company's been around for a long time. So shares have fallen off. They're bottomed, in my view. Um, and they're worth looking at. Uh, yeah, and we also saw this week, didn't we, Phil, that BAE, BAE Systems 
has yeah. picked up, I think, was it a 4.3 billion or something, yeah. you know, contract for submarines? Yeah, yeah, that's the Orknet um, submarines. This is a joint project with um, Australia. Yeah, so that project is going to be, well, it clearly BA have been awarded the first the first part of that. Uh, so, so at some stage, I would hope that pressure technologies will be involved in that as well. I mean, it, it, the point really is, again, actually, with pressure technologies, they have a, a skill and capability that is vital for the defence of this country. Yes. Uh, so it's also a company that really can't ever go under because um, you know that somebody has to rescue it. Not that it's anywhere close to that, by the way. I actually think it's going really well. Um, Peter Gillenhammer, who is a sort of um, bit of a, not necessarily corporate activist, but takes big positions and helps companies have success. Uh, he's taken a big position in this. Um, you've also got, you know, Schroeder's in here with a big position. So they've got a really good shareholder list, good management, great long-term business. We've been up there. I mean, the piece of the cost to rebuild this would be way more than the market cap of the company. Anyway, enough said. We like it. It's a buy. There you go. Moving on. What else have you got, Phil? Right. Um, well, let's just do a bit of general news firstly. You may have, uh, investors may have seen certain companies, companies getting suspended on AIM uh, trading at the moment. Um because of uh, pending publication of annual audited accounts. And this is something we've seen a bit more this year. And Andrew, we discussed, you know, issues with the audit industry and challenges of getting auditors, etc. So um, not something I think that investors should be unduly alarmed about. Something else that caught my eye um, was the Competition and Markets Authority uh, said that they produced a 250-page report on cloud computing. Uh, noting that um, eighty percent of the market is, is is run by is Amazon and Microsoft have got eighty percent of the UK cloud computing market, so they are going to be looking into their uh, the competitive position there. We've got to remember that the CMA um, was involved in a battle with Microsoft over the takeover of Activision Blizzard. But why I'm sort of pointing this out is quite, there's some very good articles in the Times and the Telegraph on the state of the bond markets government debt, rising yields, which are well worth reading today. But, you know, let's not lose track of the fact that governments are desperate for cash. Um, and these big tech companies have come under scrutiny. Um, and on the plus, and there's always a penalty paid with this, of course, on the plus side is that Palo Alto Networks, one of the biggest cybersecurity companies worldwide, has, opened it, has announced it's opening new UK headquarters. So they're coming to the UK, um, opening an office in the city of London, and... Um, they have planned 485 jobs longer term in cybersecurity. So there's a real balance to play with these big American tech companies and how we treat them. Oh, thank you very much. So that, very nice to know, Phil. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. No, it's just for background. Um, SSC, do you want to comment on that, Andrew? There. Ah, well, yeah. That, look, they had a. Um, I think it was interims was it this week or something. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I think SSE is a really interesting company because it's a sort of classic um, transitional energy company. Uh, it's big. Uh, it's high yielding. The wind never blows quite how they want it to. I, I think they warn about that the whole time, which just makes me laugh. Um, all I was, look, I, I, I've owned it for quite a long time. Um, I bought it well. Every time it raises up to sort of £18 or £20, I think, oh, I really should sell it. And I think, well, what am I going to put the money into? And I don't, and it comes whizzing back down again. Um, look, as far as I could see, yeah, the wind was blowing wrongly, but yeah, other than that, everything seems to be, you know, relatively fine. It's got a huge dividend yield. I think it's about 
it's over six percent at this price, maybe six and a half or something. I don't know. It's probably in reality a a trading stock because it does sort of go up and down, up and down. Uh, I'm not going to use the the quote that people say when things are going up and down regularly. Uh, that would be far too rude for a for a podcast like this. Um, but it's probably a trade, I think. Uh, if nothing else, I think you could trade it. It's currently trading about 15 quid. Um, my view is it's probably very much bottom of its trading range um, and due a bounce back up. Will I sell it when it bounces back up to 18 quid? That's a 20% rise. Probably not because I won't be able to think of what else to put my money into. Oh. So, but for what it's worth, yeah, I would buy it as a trade if nothing else. Did, did you pick up anything else from it? Um, no, well, apart from that, no, it was the variability in the wind was the, was the eye-catching thing. And, of course, yeah, it's a, it's a big, big factor in renewable energy generation, as we've talked about on many of the occasions. So, no, there was nothing, nothing specific. Um, Andrew, the other one, one I spotted, getting back to the subject of cyber uh, security, mentioning Palo Alto, but was uh, Kinetic, who we have mentioned, uh, well, we was follow on this podcast, um, ticker is QQ dot. It's a 1.8 billion market cap, and it's um, it's one of our larger defence technology companies. Um, and they'd announced they've won a 127 million dollar contract, a five year one. Uh, this is in the states from the uh, office of the Secretary of Defence Strategic Capabilities in the US. Um, and what's quite interesting about this? This is this is UK companies acquiring US companies, and Kinetic. Uh, made an acquisition in November 22 of a company called Avantus in the States for $590 million. And Avantus specialised in um, data and cyber services for the Defence and Homeland Security Department in the US. So it more or less doubled Kinetic's US market, uh, US business overnight, giving them access to cyber technologies, which they're integrating more with their robotics uh, hardware and other defense equipment that they have. So they won this £127 million contract um, with, the, with the SDA, the US SDA, but this follows a $224 million SDA contract that they announced on August, in August uh, of this year as well. So that, uh, that's very good progress for, uh, for Kinetic, I think. And also just announced, I think, on the 3rd of October, they got another five-year deal, $84 million, uh, for testing the next generation of advanced bomb suits. For bomb disposal so kinetic is, is such a range of tech in there and and clearly uh yeah clearly doing well now look talking of uh stocks that you've talked about quite a lot on this podcast phil um you know i don't like to be the bearer of bad news <laughs> yeah right. we also had a bit of a warning from spark yeah. didn't we we negative did. operational gearing. Oh, my word. This was one for two years ago. I think it was one of my, my tip of the year at the time. Yeah, Spirant. Uh, SPT is the ticker. Uh, the market cap is what uh, low it was. It's now £543 million. Um, Spirant makes telecommunications uh, testing equipment. This is used to test networks within data centers, telecoms networks in the ground, wireless base stations for the mobile networks, but also mobile handsets. And, um, you know, we've talked enough about the mobile handset market and how tough that's been uh, this year. We also discussed, like, Vodafone's results. We know what margins are like in telecoms, uh, that impact spend. So, yes, uh, Spark will come out with a profits warning uh, as a third quarter trading update. Um, and they said that the 
quote the uptick in demand we witnessed in the second quarter dissipated over summer. Uh, rebound hasn't happened. Uh, order intake didn't continue. It was a little bit gloomy, actually. Order intake for the first nine months was 24% down. Um, and they said revenue for the first nine months anticipated to be broadly 20% down uh, in line reduction. So, so not good. But also... Um, well, it wasn't good. And the, the stock price, I mean, you look at the chart, it's just fallen off a cliff. Uh, it was sort of around the 300p mark, now down to 93. Do you know what? Back in 2010, it was actually higher than it is today. I mean, has this company really gone nowhere in 13 years? I don't think so. Actually. It's probably, I don't know enough, but it's probably too cheap, like everything else in the UK market is. You know, I think it's the, the fall has probably been overdone. Look, it's a, it's a terrifically well-established brand. Some of the best global com- uh, customers you can have. Um, in the business, so it's but you know it, it's it's end business is not going away, nor is its reputation and its brand power. I mean, it's a, that you know, I guess the toughest thing for them is, is they could they ended up putting this announcement. They concluded a seventy-two fifty-six million pound share buyback program, and cancelled thirty-three million shares. That works out at average buyback price. My maths is correct, of about pound seventy a share. And there's always a mixed view, Andrew, on share buybacks. Sometimes successful, sometimes not. Should the cash be sent elsewhere? You know, but uh, yes, sad to see. But as you say, um, well, so maybe they'll start buying back a few more at this level. Absolute bargain. There you go. Yeah, average down, as we say in the trade. Yes, is <laughs> <laughs> the one. Okay, I've just. Eye on the time. Uh, final one for me uh, was a company called Guchin Houseco, mm. uh, named after its uh, original founders. Tickers GHH, uh, 138 million market cap, uh, being listed for a long time. Uh, they had a trading update. Uh, Guchin Houseco specialised in photonics technology. Um, so, uh, where do we start? Photonics. I mean, fibre optics that run the you know the computer networks around the globe and the internet. Uh, but all of those uh, net, fiber optic networks need lasers, and they produce what are known as Q switches, which are used to pulse lasers. It's one of their foundation products. But they've got a whole raft of photonics uh, products that they produce. Um, and so, in the trading update, they said that uh, in the industrial markets, they've seen continued ramp up in the semiconductor equipment market. Because I, I know in the semiconductors, their lasers are used in what's called lithography process. I think it's sort of for etching the wafers. Um, so they've seen decent demand in that. Uh, also, high, uh, high demand in subsea data cables. Uh, and I saw a brilliant article in the mainstream press this week about um, the fiber optic networks are being built. There's a big Google net, um, fiber being laid. It's across the Atlantic, um, and that's coming into mainland Europe. But uh, you know, big expansion there for, for fiber couplers in that. Uh, but also they're seeing high demand for defense, uh, particularly in armored vehicles, because, of course, advanced optics are used in there for looking outside of your armored vehicle rather than sticking your head out of the turret. Um, their, their period-end order books for September uh, were at £125 million. Um, what else have they said? Yeah, I mean, just generally positive outlook. And, uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, board expects strong revenue performance to translate into full-year adjusted pre-tax profit Above the current market expectations. Hurrah for that. So that's a Guchin house game. Very good. All right. Um, so uh, there's nothing else from me either, really. I think we've, we've got through quite a lot there. Um, just, uh, again, as we always do, if people want to message us and give us ideas, always happy to have them. Always happy to discuss things. 
Uh, and also, um, we did talk a little bit about Aquis there. Just to remind everybody, we do have our, our Britain's Got Aquis event um, on November the 28th. Uh, if you're not signed up and you're listening to this and you can make it, it's a great day. Uh, free food, free drinks. Uh, sometimes you get free goodies from some of the companies presenting. There's some really good companies presenting. We've got some pre-IPO as well, which will be fascinating. Uh, head judge Andy Bruff will be there all day. Uh, Joanne Hart from the uh, Midas column in the, the Mail on Sunday will be there as our, one of our guest speakers. Uh, it's going to be a great day. So uh, do come along and hear all these stories because there's quite a few sort of techie companies there. So two that we mentioned, Invinity and Equipment, both of them will be there presenting. Great opportunity to, to um, not just hear what they've got to say and watch the competition, um, but actually you can go and chat with the management as well, one-to-one, which, you know, high net worths don't always get that opportunity. So do a register for that. You do need to register for it in advance. Uh, very good, Phil. Uh, we'll call it a day there, and we should be back next week. Thank you. Excellent. Look forward to talking to you then, Andrew.